All right, let's dive into this series today. We're in this series, Identity Theft, week two. And we've been saying, if you want to see the new you, you have to know you. And it begins by changing the way you think about your life. That if you want to step into the destiny that God has for you, it begins with the identity that he gives you. And uh, today I'm going to be reading from John chapter 11. John chapter 11, I'm going to be in verse 17. And so let's dive in together. Here's what it says. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, and Mary stayed at home. Lord Martha said to Jesus, if I had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, no, I know that he's going to rise in the last day of the resurrection. But Jesus, but Jesus corrected her thinking, said, no, no, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Here's what I want to do in our time today. Uh, Jesus claims his identity by saying, I am the resurrection. He not only declares it, but then he becomes it. And the reason he becomes it is so that you can live it in your life. I, I believe that God wants you to see a victory, but I need you to know that resurrection, here comes the good news, is an uncomfortable process. It's not a one-time event. Victory doesn't happen overnight. But victory begins in the struggle. Victory begins in the death. Good news? I got one person pumped about death today. Thank you for that, amen. So the title of my message today is I am victorious. I am victorious. Let's pray. God, we are grateful that you are meeting us in this place. And I pray now as we begin this time that you would speak to our hearts you would change our lives and you would help us see the victory that you so desire within us. And we will give you all the glory and all the praise. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray this. Amen? Amen. Amen. Turn to two people and give them a high five and you can have a seat. Have you ever noticed that as human beings, we are drawn to death? Just me? Cool. Uh, you probably had this experience when you've been driving down the highway and, and all of a sudden uh, the traffic comes to a screeching halt. It comes to a complete stop. And, and you can't seem to figure out why things are backing up or why you're moving at a snail's pace. Uh, but as you get to the pinch point and people are starting to speed up, uh, you realize that the accident isn't even on your side of the highway. It's on the other side of the highway. And if you're like me, you're, you're kind of tense and frustrated and kind of like yelling at people to get moving because you realize that they are drawn 
to a wreck that is not even in your lane, but it's all the way over on the other side of the highway. And while I am shaming people for watching everybody else's accident, it comes my turn and I'm like, whoa, <laughs> boys, look out the window. <laughs> and I find myself driving just like everybody else. Isn't it amazing how we are drawn to other people's mortality except our own? That we don't mind witnessing the bad things that happen in other people's lives, but when it comes to death in our lives, it's about the last thing that we want. Uh, let me make a clarification up front. When I'm speaking about death today, I'm not talking about people that you love. I'm not talking about people that you've just lost. I'm not necessarily talking about the physical death that you will experience. When I talk about death today, I'm talking about the fight that you're in. I'm talking about the struggle that you're going through. I'm talking about the thing that feels hard and you think it's bad, but that hard thing is actually good because that's where God is beginning to grow you for a new kind of victory in your life. Are you with me on this church? Good stuff, good stuff. See, you have to understand that in order to experience a victory, a resurrection, you have to go through some sort of death in your life. And I want to, I want to show you today how we find that death, how we experience that death, and how we find it in Scripture. But before I can get there, let me just give you an example of where I think we find it. Uh, the other day, I had just finished a message, and I was walking down this hallway to greet all of you beautiful people and your fine faces, and... Um, I got next to this door that's in the back and there was a gentleman that was leaving and, and we made eye contact and I just said, man, how you doing today? And he said, this is a God ordained moment. And he said, I love this when people say this. He said, I can tell that you work out, but, but I want to give you a workout of your life that doesn't require a gym. And so, uh, we began to talk about the fact that he is an MMA fighter and instructor and a coach and that he uh, specializes in jujitsu. And, and we talked for about three minutes. We exchanged numbers. He gave me his website and he gave me my first lesson. It was so good. Now, moment of confession. Uh, I'm on my way to my first lesson and I realize as I'm driving there that I'm about to put my hands in the life of somebody who could kill me in three seconds that I've only known for three minutes. And so I text JC and I'm like, hey man, I'm getting ready to go to this lesson. If I don't text you by 2.30, this is where you can find my body. <laughs> and so I go in and I meet my, my new friend and he's, he's given me the new garb. I think it's called a gi and he's talking about the belts and, and we're talking about how you enter into the mat, how you bow before you get on and off and we get on the mat and he asked me this question. He said, how much experience do you have? <laughs> I'm like, well, about 20 years ago when I was deployed, we used to have fight night because there was nothing else better to do except beat each other up while you're on deployment. I said, I have very little experience. And he's like, cool, let's spar for a little bit. So he gets out these gloves and, and, and we're doing the whole swipe thing and I'm trying to bob and weave and I'm feeling rusty because I feel 40 and I was dumb enough to work out before I went. And so I'm already exhausted in the ring. We do this for about 10 minutes and then he takes off the gloves and he drops them off over and he comes back and this dude lays on the ground and says, get on top of me. 
Maybe it's acceptable from Janelle, but not from a random stranger, okay? It's just like, what is happening in this moment? I go all in. I'm like, you got it, man. Let's do this. I just I get on top of him. And, uh, and for the next 15 minutes, next 20 minutes, he is beginning to teach me the framework for fighting. And I find that the majority of my time, I am on my back, spinning around like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Woo! Like having so much fun. But, but he's teaching me how to control people, how to, how to manipulate people when they're coming. Like I'm on my back the entire time and, and I feel like I'm learning so much and it's coming at me so quick. And then he said, now we're gonna work on some holds, some choke holds. Yeah, and he's like, I'm gonna let you choke me first. I'm like, really? <laughs> this should be fun. And so he shows me the moves and uh, as I'm squeezing, he's like, all right, I want you to go ahead and squeeze. And I'm like, I am squeezing <laughs> harder. I'm squeezing as hard as I can and uh, wasn't doing a very good job. And he's like, all right, now let me choke you. Not his exact words, but let me show you is what he said. And there's this moment where I'm like, oh, this is the point where I don't come back. <laughs> this is the point where I die. And uh, I'm thinking about the fact that I know this guy who's, who's ripped and, and maybe just a little bit short of it can take my life in two seconds. Like I'm thinking this is the moment of death. And, and as he began to put this choke hold on me and the oxygen began to leave my body and my brain, something amazing began to happen. Instead of living into fear, I was like, whoa, this is cool. This is exciting. I don't know if it's the lack of oxygen, but right now I've never been in this moment before. And even though it feels like I'm dying, I'm really excited about the fact that I am learning something new today. This is good stuff. And I was so pumped when I got home that I began to show my kids and they're like, dad, show us what. So we got them on the ground. We're in front of the fireplace. I nearly take my kid's shoulder out of socket because all these new moves that I got, Janelle came home. She's not even in the door and I'm in her face like, you won't believe what just happened today. I almost died, but man, I had so much fun. I learned something new. I was pumped. I'm still pumped. You can tell I'm still pumped about my first lesson in jujitsu. And, and, and here's what, 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 I, what I realized is that first lesson in martial arts taught me so much about my faith. That one lesson taught me so much about God. And here's what I realized as I reflect on that time is that the most meaningful work, the most powerful work did not happen on my feet, but the most powerful work happened when I was on the ground. See, it's on the ground that it's the good work. It's on the ground where you learn to protect yourself. It's on the ground where you learn to fight back. And it was on the ground where I learned that this is the good work. And what God has been teaching me in my life is that in moments when I think I need to be on my feet, what God is trying to teach me is that being on the ground is not bad work, it's the good work. It's the good work because it's God's work. 
And right now, some of you are in a season of your life where you're fighting for everything you have. You feel like you're in the middle of a struggle. It's extremely hard and you think it's bad, but this is not a bad thing that is happening in your life. This is a good thing that God is getting ready to do. Because in moments when you feel like it's leaving and it's exiting and it's losing and something is dying in your life, most of us want to run or we want to stand to our feet and fight. And what God is trying to teach you in this moment is that instead of standing on your feet, maybe the groundwork is the good work. Maybe the groundwork is the God work. See, see, the ground is where victory happens. Victory begins from the ground up, not from the top down. Because the groundwork is God's work. The groundwork is the good work. It's where you find resurrection. It's where you find victory. It's where you find life. And so what I want to do in this moment is I want to show you in Scripture the different areas of the groundwork, which is God's work, where we begin to see victory and resurrection happen. So I want you to go to John chapter 11, verse 3 with me, and watch what it says. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. Now, I need you to notice the distinction here. Jesus declares that it will not end in death. But he also does not promise that there won't be, be a death. How do I know that? Get to verse five with me. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And so when they heard that Lazarus was sick, Jesus ran as fast as he could to help him out so that he could resurrect him back to life. Is that what it says? No, it says that when he was sick for 48 hours, Jesus stayed where he was. And after the 48 hours that Lazarus had been in a coma and he was officially dead, Jesus finally says, all right, let's go back to Judea. And in my biblical imagination, and yours too, you can sense the frustration of Martha and Mary with Jesus. Because Lazarus is not starring on Chicago Med or Grey's Anatomy, where they have magical paddles where you can electrically pump somebody back to life. They don't have defibrillators. Uh, my friend once had a cardiac ablation. Have you ever heard of these? These are crazy, but really cool. They literally stop your heart and then bring you back with medicine and machines. They didn't have this technology back then. They didn't have this kind of medicine at this time. And so you can sense the frustration of Martha who says to Jesus, you could have prevented this death had you just been present. It would have been that easy. <laughs> but instead of showing up, Jesus waits for 48 hours. And do you know what happened? He gone. He dead. Lazarus has exited the world. And, and this is the question that I have been wrestling with and have been most frustrated with. Why does God allow something to die if he loves you? Did you see in the scripture? Multiple times it says that Jesus loved Martha and Mary. 
they said to him, the one that you love is sick, come and help him. So why in the world, if Jesus loved him, would he allow him to die? Why would he allow him to leave this world? And in the moment that Jesus hears about the death of Lazarus, what we find is the shortest verse in scripture which says that Jesus wept. Jesus wept because his heart was broke. And this is the way God gave it to me. And I just wanna give it to you. Maybe the thing that makes God cry is actually the thing in your life that needs to die. Too much for you? Maybe the thing that breaks God's heart in your life is the thing that he needs to leave your life. See, whatever makes God cry is probably the thing that needs to die. And, and to help you understand what I'm talking about today, I wanna go back to, uh, do you remember in elementary school when they had this little experiment when you would learn how to grow grass? Anybody remember this? Cool. Uh, they would give you the styrofoam cup, they'd give you the soil, they'd give you the seed, they'd give you the water. And do you remember this? You put it all together and you begin to water that thing and you put it on the windowsill in Ohio in the middle of the winter, there's no sun. And so every day you go back and you look to see if there's a little green piece of grass growing. You keep looking for the shoot. You go back every single day, hoping that something is going to happen. But, but I think we've missed one of the most important steps in the process of this little experiment that our teachers taught us. In fact, Jesus in John chapter 12, verse 24, teaches us the, the process, the step that we miss back in elementary school. He says it this way. He said, a kernel of wheat, a seed must fall to the ground and die. It must fall to the ground because the groundwork is the good work. It's got to fall to the ground because it's not only the good work, it's God's work. And when it gets to the ground, what does he say? It has to die so that it can produce more seed. But if it doesn't die, it only remains a single seed. See, in order for there to be fruit, there needs to be a fall. In order for there to be something to produce, something has to perish. And, and I think what we miss, if I could just say it, is that we don't like the part where Jesus says, the seed has to fall to the ground because the groundwork is the good. Let me ask you, what feels like it's falling apart in your life? What, what needs to fall in your life? Do you ever have the dream where you feel like you're falling? Just me. My wife always reminds me when I get up from that dream, she said, babe, the reason you feel like you're falling is because your life's out of control. And maybe right now, the thing that needs to fall to the ground is the thing that makes you feel out of control. I'm gonna go back to it one more time. The thing that makes God cry is probably the thing that needs to die in your life. So, so let me just be candid for, for a second. Moment of confession. In my life, I've gone through seasons of betrayal. Seasons of betrayal. How many of you have been betrayed in this room? Can I, surely I cannot be the only one who have gone, who's gone through this. And at first, I'm extremely, I'm extremely sad about the fact that this relationship is ending. I'm mad that somebody has betrayed me. But what I don't see in this moment is it's actually God's gift to me because I've made the mistake of prioritizing this relationship over God. Like what I thought was good in my life 
was actually the thing that God needed to remove. Because what had happened in my life is I end up prioritizing relationships and God just becomes a safety net. God just becomes a backup. God isn't the primary leader of my life. In fact, instead of living into the image of God, what I find is I'm often living into the image of somebody else. And God realizes that for me to experience what he has for me, sometimes you have to go through broken relationships and betrayal so that God can get your priorities right. See, some of you are going through a bad separation. Some of you are in the middle of a breakup right now. But you also know that God is using that because it was really unhealthy. Maybe you filed for bankruptcy in this room. And it was embarrassing in the moment, but you realized that God was using that moment to make you a better steward. Some of you have lost a really sour job in your life, and it was your only source of income, but you realized the moment that you walked out of that door, man, your soul came alive, didn't it? How many of you in this room know that control is one of your greatest issues? And the moment that you get out of control is the moment that you realize that he is the only one who's really in control. If I could say this, who in this room has allowed sin to enter their life to the point where it is robbing you of your freedom and your joy? What I know is that your sin breaks the heart of God. It's the thing that makes God cry, and it's why he sends his son to die on a cross to redeem your sin. And, and in this moment, we can't fully understand it, but God, in his infinite grace, allows you to die to things that you choose over him. Oh, see, sickness won't end in death. This won't end in death. But right now, you need to experience a death so that God can move you forward. This is how God prospers you. This is how God gives you the plan for your life. That when things feel like they're falling apart, when it feels like you're in a season of struggle, when it feels like it's difficult and hard and you think it's bad, the thing that you think the enemy is using for evil, God is actually using for your good. Because in this moment, God is needing what is in your life to fall to the ground so he can begin to grow you in a way that you can experience the resurrection that propels you to a new future. It is only when you fall to the ground. It is only when you find yourself letting go that you can begin to experience the victory that God wants to give you in your life. Because the groundwork is the good work. The groundwork is God's work. Anybody excited about all the things that need to go in your life? So I need, I need to show you the other half of this piece of where we find our lives in the ground. And we go to John chapter 11, verse 17 again. And this is what it says. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, this number is important biblically because in this day, they actually believed somebody was mostly dead after three days. But after four days, you are really dead. You're not just dead, you are dead, dead. And this is important. This is really important. Jesus wants to make sure that Lazarus is absolutely gone. And watch what happens in verse 21. Martha said to Jesus, if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. 
but I know that God's going to give you whatever you ask. And Jesus responds, your brother will rise again. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, you don't get it because I am the resurrection and the life. The one who, what does he say? I know it's cold outside and we feel like God's frozen chosen, <laughs> but I need you to help me be hope wherever you're watching from today. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? God is giving us a vision for our lives. And I think what happens for so many of us is that the moment we begin to experience death, when we begin to experience something that is leaving, for most of us, we believe that's the moment we start grieving. Now, now let me pause and say this. When you lose somebody in your life, grieving is necessary for you to get healthy. But then there are these things in our life that God needs to get out of our lives. And, and in that moment, we find ourselves grieving instead of believing. And there's this reality that Jesus says that you will only live, not if you grieve, but you will live the moment you begin to believe. In fact, there are five different times in this passage that Jesus talks about believing. He tells his disciples, it's my favorite, Lazarus had to die so that you would believe. Jesus said, if you believe, you will see it. He said, I have said this thing, I am the resurrection, so that you would believe. Multiple times, Jesus says in reference to this death that it's not about grieving, but it's about believing. In fact, this story uh, takes me back to when I first got out of the army. I was unemployed, had no job, we had no food. Our pets' heads were falling off. <laughs> Sorry. And my best friend, uh, who happened to be my pastor, started mentoring me. He never went alone, never go alone. He took me everywhere he went. And so I had my first experience of going to a hospice visit. First experience, hospice visit. And there was a guy in our church who had a brother, a relative, who was dying from cancer who didn't believe in Jesus. And so we get to one of the wealthiest neighborhoods in Kansas City. And, and as we get there, I see this massive house. And, uh, and I'll never forget walking in, and it was elaborate. I mean, there's marble everywhere. The back room, you walk in, and there are windows everywhere. And here's this man, and he's lying in a recliner. And he already looks like he's dead. He looks asleep. He looks like he's not breathing. He's not moving. This dude doesn't even acknowledge our presence when we walk in. And so like a little kid, because I've never done this before, I went and I, I stood in the corner like I'd just stolen a cookie out of the cookie jar. I was just waiting to see what was going to happen. I'm just here to watch, guys. And, uh, and I watched as my friend Shane got down on his knee next to this guy that's suffering from cancer. And on the other side is his wife holding his hand. And Shane leans in next to his ear and he starts reading this story of Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. And he's going through these sections of doubt 
where they're not sure that their brother's coming back. And then he gets to the part where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? And my friend Shane leans in real close and he says to him, he said, my friend, you're going to die. By the way, that is not a good start to a conversation, okay? If you ever pastor somebody in hospice, not the thing to say. But, but, but he tells him, he said, my friend, you're going to die. But, but I want you to know that, that even if you die today, you can experience life after this death. That you can live a life without pain and cancer and tears. And you not only have to live a life after this life, but the moment that you accept Jesus, who says, I am the resurrection into your life, your life begins in this moment. This may be the last day of your life, but it also could be the best day of your life. Simply acknowledging that Jesus is the resurrection and that what we see in him is the thing that we find in us. And Shane leans in this moment and says, do you believe this? Do you believe this? And this man laid there like he hadn't heard a word. He's asleep. He's barely breathing. There's no acknowledgement that he has heard this story. In what a moment that felt like forever. I'm sitting here watching thinking, Shane, I don't think this thing is going to work. what felt like forever a tear began to form in this man's eye and I will never forget this moment for the rest of my life and as long as I read this story out of nowhere this man says I believe I believe and now I'm in the corner bawling and I'm not grieving the fact that this man's about to die from cancer. I'm celebrating that this man is believing that his new life began, not tomorrow, not after his death, but in this moment right now. He's believing. He's not grieving. He's believing that God has done a new thing in his life. And some of you in this room right now, you are grieving what is leaving in your life. Some of you are grieving the toxic relationships that just ended. Some of you are grieving the addiction that you're going through. And somebody's like, I can't understand that. If you've ever been addicted to something, you know how pleasurable it is and how you can't see your life without it. And as you're trying to quit it, there's this understanding that I'm grieving the fact that I'm going to have to let this go. And instead of believing what God is going to do, your life feels, going back to my seed in the cup, illustration. Your life feels like a seed that is six feet in the ground. I would bet you're grieving your life because it feels like it's six feet under. And you don't see light. You don't see life. You don't see movement. You don't know if it's going to happen. You don't know when it's going to happen. You're not even sure that God is working in the middle of your darkness. And God has come to remind you today that that soil 
is the good work, that the groundwork is God's work. When you're six feet under and you can't see the light of day, that's when God is beginning to move. And you're like, you, you don't know my story, Brad. You don't understand what I'm going through, but I do know the life of Jesus. Watch what happens. Make this connection with the life of Jesus and our little elementary cup illustration. Because in our creed, we say that Jesus was crucified. He was dead and buried. This man was six feet under. He knows exactly what you're going through. And in that creed, we say, after he died and was buried, he descended into hell. And I'm like, what was Jesus doing in hell? You too? Like, you don't, you don't get off the cross so you can go to hell. You get off the cross so you can come back to life. And we profess over our faith that Jesus descended into hell. And there's this beautiful piece where Jesus descends into hell so that he can extend the first fruits of forgiveness into people's life who have never experienced the realization that God has died for their sins and he has come back to life. Jesus went to the darkest places of this world that we can't even see so that he could give people who have never heard of his life before a new life in him. And what is hidden to us, what is hidden to us is alive in him. When the world thought that God was dead for three days in the grave, yo, resurrection was already happening before it was recognizable. The roots were already being formed. God was already doing his thing. What is hidden to you is alive in him. What is hidden in your despair is alive as he begins to restore. What is hidden in your brokenness is alive in the pieces that he's beginning to put back together. What is hidden in your depression is alive as he begins to break down the walls that hold you captive. What is hidden in your sin is alive in him because it's already forgiven. It's already forgiven. And when Jesus gets to the tomb in verse 41, he said, Father, I thank you. I give you praise that you have already heard me. What was he saying? I know that Lazarus is already alive and resurrected, even though nobody else can see what's happening behind that grave. What is hidden to them is already alive in him. And my goal in this moment is to help you see that even though you feel six feet under, God is putting roots into your life in such a way that he is getting ready to grow you, sustain you, and move you so that you can experience life. See, you think the enemy's got you, but Jesus had you the whole time. And this is the moment where he says, it's time to get up, Lazarus. It's time to come out. It's time to pull off those linens. It's time to experience new life. It's time to see the growth. It's time time to see the resurrection. It's time to be victorious because you have done the groundwork, which is the good work. The question is this, do you believe this? Do you believe this? 
do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? I got one yeah in the room today. And so I'll just assume by the lack of exuberance when we talk about the faith and the resurrection of Jesus that we don't fully grasp what is happening in our lives because the groundwork is God's work. Church, would you stand to your feet with me for just a second? In the uh, hit series of Ted Lasso, he walks into the room, the locker room, and he takes a big whiff and he says, smells like potential. <laughs> Some of you remember this. Uh, on Sundays when I walk into this place, there's this moment where we begin to breathe in the power of God in our lives. And in my mind, I think, smells like victory. Smells like victory up in this house. Smells like God's doing something in somebody's life. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even though they will die, will live. And even though you live and believe you will never die, the question is, do you believe this? And so let me just be your pastor in this moment. Let me get on my knee. Let me get in your ear and let me just ask you, do you believe this? Do you believe that he is the resurrection and the life? Do you believe that God is wanting to give you a victory? Do you believe that he is working in ways that may be unseen to you, but he is resurrecting you even before you see the growth? Do you believe that God is with you in this fight? Do you God believe that God is with you in this struggle? Do you believe that the hard thing that you're experiencing right now is not a bad thing, it's just a God thing? And it may feel like you're in the ground, but that's where God is working. Do you believe that he is the resurrection and the life? Do me, do me a favor, would you, would you just close your eyes for, for just a few seconds? I wanna speak to the person in the room who does not believe that Jesus is the resurrection. You've got doubts. Uh, you, you have absolutely distanced yourself from faith. Let me ask you, how's it working for you? How are you able to get up every day and make that fight? How are you, how are you stepping into the future that God has, but you are unaware of what he wants from you because you're not sure how to get out? I wonder today if God is specifically giving you this message that you find yourself in difficulty. You find yourself dying to yourself so that he could give you life so that he could give you new life. What would it look like for you to die to yourself and find new life in him? I wonder who of you in the room would today for the first time acknowledge, yeah, I do believe. I would love to believe that Jesus is the resurrection in your life. If you're watching in line, if you're in Ironton today, if you're in the room, if you're making that decision for the first time in your life today, yes, I believe that he is the resurrection and the life. Would you just raise your hands in this moment? Just put them up. Just put them up so I can see them. Nobody else can see them but me. 
Today, I want new life in him. New life in him. Church, today we're gonna pray for all those who have made that decision today. And we do this collectively as a church. But we acknowledge that when we believe that Jesus Christ has died on the cross for our sins, and as he rose from the grave, if we confess these things with our mouth, we are saved simply because we believe. So would you say this with me as a church? Lord, I believe that Jesus Christ is the savior of the world, that he gave his life to forgive my sins. And he was raised from the grave so that I may have life. I receive your grace by faith. Come into my life. I will follow you. Amen. 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 Can we celebrate all those who have given their life to Jesus today? All right. For those of you who have already accepted God in your life, I want to give you a new identity for this new week, a new identity for the new week. So I'm going to read it to you and then I'm going to have you read it with me. And this is the identity that God is pouring over your life. I am victorious. I serve the resurrected King in moments of defeat. I stand firm at the feet of Jesus, knowing difficulty and my struggle serve as the season for the start of something new. All right, now you, you say this with me. Proclaim this over your life. I am victorious. I serve the resurrected King. In moments of defeat, I stand firm at the feet of Jesus, knowing difficulty and my struggle serve as the season for the start of something new. Come on, church. Let's give God thanks in this moment that we're letting him give us victory.